Hi, welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Alex Papas, Senior Pastor at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Well, once again, it's wonderful to see you all this morning. Great to have you with us. And thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was really amazing um, on Wednesday night at the theater to see so many of you come out to be a part of that chosen musical. It was wonderful. Amen. <laughs> it was actually it was really powerful. It was a little bit too much music for my, me personally, but I know it was really good. But I did enjoy, you know, the, what I really enjoyed was just being with everybody there. It was so wonderful. And uh, we had like, amen, <laughs> we had like just under 700 people that came out. It was really amazing. And so, you know, praise God, just to see everybody coming out excited about it. And, you know, it's amazing because there were some really powerful things in the little chosen production that they did that was really exciting. I'm actually going to be talking a lot about some of those things over the next two weeks. So don't miss out on that. The next two weeks, I'll be focusing on Jesus specifically on his birth. And we're going to be talking about some prophecy and the prophetic stuff regarding Jesus. That's going to be exciting. Um, also, just want to remind you about Friday night. I know Naomi spoke to you guys. Come out. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can play in Florida snow if you've never done that. You know, this is your opportunity. It's going to be a lot of fun. Amen. And um, some of you can ride camels and donkeys and who knows what else they're going to have. I don't really even know what's coming, but I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, also, uh, the Christmas production is going to be an incredible evangelistic opportunity. Bring people that don't know the Lord to that production. It is going to be very, very touching. I believe that sometimes through drama, there's going to be a very special drama on that Christmas Eve production. Um, I believe people really, it speaks to people. You know, God speaks in different ways through different types of things. And when we see that type of production, often we see God really, really, you know, move and touch people's lives. So bring, us, bring people out. It's going to be a great time. So we are actually in the middle of a series and we are starting part number two today on what happens when we die. What happens when we die? In part number one, I focus primarily on what happens or the destiny of the non-believer. And today we'll be focusing on the destiny of the believer. So everybody can take a deep breath right about now. <laughs> As I shared with you and showed you from Scripture... I think the most incredible and intense picture of what happens in the afterlife, Jesus is the one who shared it. He shared the story of Lazarus and the rich man and gave us a glimpse of what Sheol at, or Hades looked like at the time. And we know from Scripture that there are two places, well, it's one place that was separated, but you could see between the two places. And the one was called the bosom of Abraham and the other one was called Hades or Sheol, well actually the whole thing was called Sheol, but one side is where the Old Testament saints went, the bosom of Abraham, and then the other side were those that were not found righteous to be on the other side. And we see this incredible picture of just what it looks like in the afterlife, some things that were interesting. For example, we could see that you could identify who they were. Immediately identity was still there, Lazarus was still Lazarus. Memory was still there. They remembered what took place on the, on, in the afterlife. And so the picture of what it looks like when we die afterwards is very interesting because you remember things. You can still see things. In fact, the, the rich man cries out 
because his mouth is dry and asks just for some water to be put on his tongue so he could still obviously taste and could feel that he was, his mouth was dry. So there's definitely emotion, feeling in the afterlife, which was very, very interesting. I shared with you how the Old Testament saints, when Jesus died on the cross, he went down into the, into the lower parts of the earth. And what he did was he took the saints, we believe, out of Sheol, um, out, of, out of the bosom of Abraham, and he took them up with him when he rose and came out of the grave. And so the Old Testament saints are no longer there. That's why sometimes when people die, they talk about how they met Abraham. Because Abraham is no longer under the earth. He's in heaven now. Okay, so there is a difference, though, for you and I. We, when we die, we go straight to heaven, and we'll talk about that this morning. But before I get into everything, I want to kind of start by saying this. It is very important for us to be heavenly-minded. The Bible wants us to be heavenly-minded, to think about those things, to ponder on those things, to seek Scripture about those things, because it is very important. And so let's get into it this morning. Colossians 3 verse number 1 says this, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. And as we go on this morning, I believe you'll understand more and more why it's important for us to set our minds on things above. In fact, the word set there really means to seek you seek the things from above. Put your mind, let your mind seek those things which are from above. It's very important for us as believers to understand that that is the destination that you will go to if you die now. You will go to heaven. Hebrews 11 verse 16 says this, But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There is a place that has been prepared for you as a Christian. If you are a believer, your destiny is a very bright destiny, a very exciting destiny. A heavenly country has been prepared for you. A place, a city has been prepared for you. That's where you will be going. Can you say amen? The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always, everybody say always, be with the Lord. The one thing I want you to understand is from that scripture, this many scholars believe is speaking of the rapture, they will be caught up in the air to be with the Lord always. The good thing is that if you die now, you will also be with the Lord always. They will be with the Lord always. If you die now, you will be with the Lord always. But I want you to see something. He doesn't say you will be in heaven always. He says you will be with the Lord always. Now, I want you to understand something. God has always had heaven and earth in mind for you and I. In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 verse number 1, so right from the beginning, he talks about heaven. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The thing is, is that a lot of us don't understand what that means. What are the heavens? 
And so we see from Scripture, and most scholars would suggest to you, that there are at least three heavens. And the Bible tells us about these three heavens. The first heaven that was created, in Genesis 1.20, it says this, Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So the, the air where birds fly is called the first heaven. We see there, he says, let the birds fly above across the earth, uh, uh, the face of the firmament of the heavens. Psalm 104 verse number 12 says, by them the birds of the heavens have their home. They sing among the branches. So we can see there is a certain element of heaven that is the, almost like the lower part of the air where the birds fly. That's the heavens, the first heaven is the lower part of the air that is between the earth and the sky. The second heaven, Genesis 1, 14 to 17 says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light unto the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heavens. There we go. We see again. He's setting the lights in almost like a next layer or next level of the heavens to give light to the earth. Isaiah 13 verse 10 says this, for the stars of the heavens... So we see the stars are in the heavens, and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened and in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. So we can see clearly two different levels or two different heavens. The lower level, the first heaven, is where the birds fly. They get to a certain point. If they had to fly up there, they'd just be like sucked into space. That's called the second heaven, where the stars are, where the moon is. How many of you believe or at least have some indication that heaven, where God is, is also somewhere up there. Most of us have a tendency to believe that. So there is a third heaven. There is a third heaven. With the naked eye, if you look up into space, you can see stars, you can see the moon. In the daytime, you can see the sun, but you can only see so far. Now, whether where God is or the third heaven is a dimension or whether it is a physical place that we just can't see because it's further away, I don't know. I tend to believe more that it has to do with a, an abode or a dimension more than it does specifically what you can see with the naked eye. But there is mention of this heaven in 2 Corinthians 12 verse number 2. Paul says this, For I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. In other words, he went beyond the first and second heaven into the place where God lives, in the third heaven. And he talks a little bit about it, but not too much because he said it's not lawful him to speak about that. But he tells us about this third heaven. And, and he has a desire. Paul speaks about heaven as a place that he desires to go. Perhaps he had such a great desire because he'd already visited there once. 
that he wanted to go there because he knew what was waiting for us as believers on the other side. So he writes to the church in Philippians, in Philippians 1 verse 23, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So he's saying, listen, I'm hard pressed. I want to stay here. There's stuff for me to do, but I also would rather be with Christ. And look at what he says. He knows that the minute he departs from here, he will be with Jesus. So you don't have to wait for the rapture to be with Jesus. If you die now, you will also be with him. Paul says, it is better for me. He says, if I depart, I'll be with Christ right away. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55. You and I know that death has lost its sting. It says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? At the death, a Christian does not experience Hades anymore because Jesus has the keys of life and death. Can you say amen? When you as a Christian die, you go straight to be with the Lord. Paul said that. He says again in Philippians 3 verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's excited. He's eagerly awaiting. His citizenship is in heaven. He has his passport. Do you have your passport to heaven? When you get to the gate and they say, show me your passport, and TSA is standing there and says, let me see your passport, will they be able to see that you are a citizen of heaven or not? Amen. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter 1 verse number 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Everybody say me. That's your destiny. That's where you are going. When you pass from this earth and you go into the next life, you will leave this earth and go to be with the Father in heaven. That's your destiny. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, we are confident. Listen, are you confident? He says, we are confident. Yes, well pleased. Rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul understood. Peter understood. They knew. They'd spent time with Jesus and every little bit of opportunity they could while they were on earth to encounter him in some way, they could not wait to be with him again. They could not wait to go to heaven, to move on to the next phase of their life. Listen, this earth is phase one and it's really, really short. It's like between 70 or 60 and 100 years is probably the norm. Some people unfortunately pass before. Some people unfortunately stay longer. The fact is, <laughs> I didn't mean, I'm just joking, okay? The fact is, is that that is very short in God's timeline. There is a season, a millennial reign of 1,000 years, which I'll talk a tiny bit about today, but very much about when I teach on Revelation in January. 1,000 years. And then outside of the 1,000 years, there is an eternity that you and I will live for. And what you do on this earth is so important because it affects that. Jesus said to the criminal on the cross in Luke 23, verse 43, and Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Listen, that's what happens. When you die, you leave here and you go on to paradise in heaven. That's your destination. 
That's your citizenship. If you are a believer, you have a lot to celebrate and be excited about. Amen. Now, when you die, you will not be judged. When you die, you will not be judged. You must understand that when you leave this earth, it's like this. It's literally a second. And we can see in the story with the rich man and Lazarus that two things happen. Angels come and fetch Lazarus to take him where he had to go. We also know that Lazarus, that the rich man was taken away. Many people believe that demons are there waiting. I don't know for sure. But what we know is there's an instantaneous transfer from one dimension to the next. The believer goes straight to heaven. When he gets to heaven, he will spend time in heaven until the judgment. But you will not be judged when you get to heaven. Now, you may say, well, what happens when I die? That's judgment. No, listen, you're either a Christian or you aren't. That has already been decided when you die. At that moment, the way you stand, it's done. You only get judged later on. And Christians will get judged for their works, for what they do. Those that do not know the Lord, when they die, they instantly go to hell. When they get to hell, they wait in hell for judgment. And I shared with you last time about how at the, at the great white throne judgment, the sea, it's like a sea comes up from Hades, from hell. And God will, it will judge all of those that are in that place. And they will most, most likely be cast into the lake of fire where they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Listen, if you think the first hell is bad, I think the second one is even worse. But that is not your destiny. Your destiny is marked in glory. Your destiny is a new body. Your destiny is to serve and follow Jesus for eternity. That's your destiny. As a believer, that's your future. Amen. <laughs> now, let me show you a little bit about what, it, what will happen to you at what we call the Bema Seat Judgment of Christ. Again, I'm just going to touch on this today because we're going to go heavy into all of this when we teach on Revelation. 1 Corinthians 3 verse number 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work, everybody say work, will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will, reveal, it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work, which he has built on, it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. Now let's stop there for one minute. I want you to understand something, that the way you walk your salvation out, you will give an account for. When you stand before Jesus at the Bema Seat Judgment, every single person will experience judgment. At the Bema Seat Judgment, which is the believer's judgment, you will be judged for your works. Well, works aren't important. I think they're pretty important. They do not affect your salvation. You are already saved. In fact, just put that verse up for me real quick, that last verse, please. 
If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but himself will be saved. Let's stop there. So in other words, the believer does not suffer the eternal fire. His works, however, will be judged, and they will be judged with fire. What does that mean? That means even if you do stuff with the wrong motive, with the wrong heart, it will not count for you in eternity. That's why the Bible tells us over and over, examine yourself, examine your heart, examine yourself whether you're in the faith. That's serious. Examine your motive when you do something. Don't do things to impress anybody. Don't give to impress the pastor. Give to impress God. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, and He will give you your reward when it counts. But your eternity is determined by one thing. If you believe, if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that He died and rose on that, from the grave, that is what determines. If you walk your life out as a believer, someone who believes in Christ, you will be saved. That's what, that's what it counts. Listen, you cannot cheapen what He did on the cross. The sacrifice was so great. The people in the world, those that do not know Jesus, when they get judged, they will be judged for their sin. If we were judged for our sin, we would be guilty as well. Whether we believers or not, if we were judged for our sin, we would be guilty. But the blood of Jesus washes it away. So we get judged for our works to determine how we spend that eternity. Guys, it is serious. What you do with your salvation does matter. It does matter. You have been given the greatest gift that there is. Salvation and eternal life. Do something with it. Do something with it. You know, they say that all gods or all religions lead to God. It's actually true. All religions will lead to God. But the only religion that will save you is Jesus. Because all the other religions will also face God at the judgment seat. But that judgment will be very different. The only way to heaven, the only way to eternal destiny and peace is when you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing outside of that. Everything else will lead to that other judgment. And you... It doesn't matter how upset we get about it or upset you or mad you get about it or it's not fair. It's very fair. God has done everything possible after Adam and Eve in the garden when they fell. He has done everything possible to restore us. Doing things in the Old Testament that you don't understand because he loves you and because he wanted to save you and because he wanted to make things easier for you. I wish I had a lot of time to tell you all about that. Well, you know, how could God do all of that? He, that's so mean. You have no idea what he did. He would wipe out entire gener an entire group of people because of the sins that were in there that would have continued down and destroyed further generations. But God loves so much that he will do anything to protect his people. Anything. In fact, he did. He gave everything. He gave his only son. Amen. Amen. So now we know that when we 
die, we go straight to heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse number 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive things done in the body. How do we get judged? According to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we understand that when we die, we go to heaven. But I want you to understand that heaven is not the final destination. God has reserved a new heavens and a new earth for you and I. And this is very exciting. That's why the scripture says that when Jesus comes and captures us, we will be with him forever. It doesn't say you're going to be in heaven forever. We will be with him forever. Revelation 21 verse number one. I'll give you a little glimpse of this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I saw, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorns for her husband. So God will create a new heavens and a new earth. And we'll talk more about this as well later on. But what happens is some scholars believe that God will completely destroy this earth and heaven and the, and the current heaven and create an all new one. I don't necessarily believe that 100%. I believe God will recreate perhaps after he's destroyed everything. Yeah, he will recreate everything out of it. I don't know exactly, but we know that there will be a new heaven, a new earth. And it's actually, all that's happened is, is that God has restored his original plan. You see, what many of us think is that the, at the garden, God was like, mm, that didn't work. But that's not it at all. What, will happen, what happened in the beginning was God had a plan where heaven and earth were connected. And where he would come down in the cool of the day and spend time with Adam and Eve. And they were filled with the glory. To the point where they were so full of the glory of God that they probably shone out of them that they couldn't see their nakedness. But when they fell, they lost that. We will get a new, a new body. That new body will be for this new earth that we will live on again. Amen. So, you know, what will happen is the Bible even tells us that we will celebrate the feast. Jesus will live in Jerusalem before this is created at a stage called the millennium. The millennium will be for 1,000 years before he creates this new heavens and this new earth. And in that 1,000 years, we will live all over the world, ruling and reigning and doing different things for him. For how many years? 1,000 you will live for 1,000 years again on this current earth before the new one is created. That's a long time. And then what will happen is there will be events that will take place. Those events are called the feasts. One of them is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Bible tells us that in the millennial reign, we will go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. Well, you know, well, you know that's only for the Jews. No, it's not. Are you telling me that when the feasts are on, you're going to say, I'm not going to go? <laughs> or maybe you'll watch it on TV. Well, how do you know there's going to be TV? How do you know there isn't? There was no TV in John's day, so he couldn't write about it. We don't know what it's going to look like. But listen, I want you to understand something. For 1,000 years, you will live on this earth. Yeah, you're excited about it. You know, the next one will be much better. But yes, this one. Which means the same lakes, the same rivers, the same... It'll all be here. It's not going to be so different. 
except you'll have a new body. And I don't believe the people will die during those 1,000 years. And so what happens is Satan is locked up for that 1,000 years. He is then released at the end of that. Why? Because during that 1,000 years, those that did not get raptured, those that had not died before that, they come through the tribulation, those that do not deny the Christ, they come through the tribulation and they begin to repopulate the earth. 1,000 years is a long time. There's going to be a lot of people on the earth. And so Satan will be released for one final time. And he will go out and try and tempt them. And then once that's over, God will completely destroy Satan and throw him in the lake of fire. And that will be the end of it. That's basically, in a very, very summary, short summary, what will take place. And then we will experience that new heavens and new earth. And let me tell you something. It will be far greater than what we currently have. And your eyes will be open. You will be able to see things that you cannot see right now. The, the spirit realm will be open. The realm, the dimensions will be fully open where we can see it and experience everything. And we will walk with God. You will know people. You will remember people. It's clear from scripture that you will remember people. So you'll be able to have a conversation with David about how big the stone was that killed Goliath. You'll be able to see those that you knew, that you, that you, that you knew from, the, from before. You'll see them. You'll know them. We know this from Scripture. There's two instances in Scripture. The one, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And there's also the story of the souls that were beheaded, where you get a great glimpse into how much is actually available in terms of knowledge, remembering, and all that kind of thing. And it's clear that we will know a lot when we get there. So there's nothing to not look forward to. In fact, there's everything to look forward to. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. So when you die, you go to heaven. Then Jesus will come and collect the church when he's ready. We'll go back up to heaven. We'll come down to earth. There'll be a whole lot of stuff going on, the battle of Armageddon, all that stuff. And then we will be on earth with him for 1,000 years. Then after those 1,000 years, God will create the new heavens and the new earth, and we will live for eternity. Everyone say eternity. With God forever. And you will be doing things. And how will it be judged? According to your works. According to what you have done on this earth. That's what will determine the state of your responsibility, rule, reign, all the things that has been promised to us as believers. In that next life. When you die, you either go to heaven or hell. When you get to heaven, it's going to be great. You're going to be walking in heaven. You're going to be in heaven with the Lord. And all the people that are saved, they'll all be up there. All the Old Testament saints, they'll be up there. And they're all eagerly awaiting the second coming of the Lord when he collects the church and we move on. It's all going to happen. Amen. And you and I will be part of it. Amen. If, the rapture, if, if you come to church on a Sunday and I'm not here, you've missed the rapture. Let me show you what it looks like. Just a small glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. Revelation 22, verse number one. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, crystal as clear, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. 
and leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. I want you to understand trees and healing of leaves and beautiful colors and all these things are going to be in heaven. And there shall be no more curse and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and His servants shall serve Him there. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. But you know, many people, as they go through life, experience many different things. And sometimes the things we experience are very difficult. And we have a lot of questions about our loved ones, about what happens to them. And I want to show you something from the book of Job that really shook me. And I hope this encourages you. Let's go to Job chapter 1, verse number 1. Job chapter 1, verse number 1. There was a man in the land of Uz. His name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And most of you know the story of Job. It's a very interesting story that gives us a glimpse into the spirit realm. We get to see Job suffer an incredible uh, situation where he ends up losing his family. His children are killed. He loses pretty much everything, but he stays faithful to God. Incredible story. And at the end, God is so faithful that he gives Job double what he had. But I want to show you something from this. Take a look at this. Let's go to Job 42. Verse number 13. The Bible literally tells us that Job receives twice as much as what he had. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in the house, in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him. For all the adversary that the Lord had brought upon him, each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now watch this. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. Now remember, the Bible says that he got twice as much as what he had before. Look at this. He had 14,000 sheep. Now remember, before that, he only had 7,000. He had 6,000 camels before he only had 3,000. 1,000 yoke of oxen before he only had 500. And 1,000 female donkeys before he had 500. And then it says this. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, it's very interesting. Because if we read the story of what Job had, we can see clearly that everything was doubled. But if we look back in Job 1 verse number 2, it says... He had seven sons and three daughters were born to him. When God restored double to him, he only gave him seven sons and three daughters. Why? Because he already had double with seven more and three more daughters. Why? Because they may not have been on earth, the seven that had left and the three that had left, but they were in the afterlife. So what am I saying? God gave him exactly double. You see, to you and I, when someone passes on, it's loss. But the fact is, they are not lost. They will live forever. They will move on to eternity. 
And the most important thing for you and I is to make sure that those that we love choose life, choose the Lord. Why? So that you will see them in eternity. And I have no doubt, none whatsoever, that when we get to paradise, when we get to heaven, those that we knew before, that, that believed in the Lord, we will see them in heaven. And we will live and see them forever. They will be there forever. From this story, it is absolutely evident. Listen, God makes no mistakes. He didn't double Job's children because he knew that those were already there. But he gave Job double. So instead of having seven sons, he now had 14. Instead of having three daughters, he now had six. The only thing was that the seven and three were not there. They were waiting in the afterlife for him. I really hope that encourages some of you. Because I know that oftentimes when we do lose someone, it's very difficult. But it gives us even more reason to be excited about being in heaven. To be excited about serving God, living our lives in a way that pleases the Lord with the right motives, with the right design, with the right heart. You know, last night I shared about the presence, when the presence is present in your life. And I shared how when the ark got to Obed-Edom's house, what happened was the ark was being delivered to Jerusalem. And when the ark was on its way to Jerusalem, Uzzah went and touched the ark and he ended up, he ended up dying. And so David became afraid of, the, of it and he ended up sending the ark to Obed-Edom's house. When the ark was at Obed-Edom's house, the Bible says that David found out that Obed-Edom was being blessed. He was being blessed. Now, I want you to imagine something. Imagine the ark is in your home. Now, understand that someone has died by touching the ark, so more than likely you're going to put it in the room furthest away from, so that you're safe, right? Maybe, maybe not. But let's just say he put it in a room because he was afraid and he feared the Lord and he didn't want to mess with it. So in the morning... Obed-Edom would go downstairs, get his coffee, read the newspaper, get dressed and go to work. His kids would get up, go to Hebrew school and come home in the afternoon. And what happened was, while they were doing this, they were being blessed. Why were they being blessed? Because of the presence of God. You see, if you are someone that pursues God, listen to me carefully, pursues God. How? His presence. What does that mean? That means that I am present with him. How are you present with him? By speaking to him, by having conversation with him, by drawing close to him. What begins to happen is as you begin to do that, he begins to bless you. He begins to bless you. Why is this important? Because if you pursue his presence, everything he wants you to do, you will end up doing. And you will do it, listen to me, because he is there, not because of how great you are. Obed Edom didn't have to do anything except have the presence in his home, and he was blessed. We must be a people that pursue his presence, pursue being with God, drawing near to him, and you watch how he will bless everything you do. Your future, guys, is bright. Don't be afraid of the afterlife. If you don't know Jesus, be very afraid. But if you know him, if you serve him, you will be with him in paradise. 
you will love him and walk with him all the days of your eternity. That is your destiny. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.